Welcome to the Sugar Coated Dreams podcast. Do you ever catch yourself daydreaming about running your own baking business? Brace yourself for a fun ride as I share inspiring stories of dreamers just like you turned doers. The podcast that takes you on a mouth-watering journey into the world of baking and entrepreneurship. Everybody, thank you so much for listening today. We have an incredible guest. So Fred, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, of course. Hi, Lauren. Hi, everyone. I am Fred CB11, um, also known as Doc Macaron Social Media. You know, Fred, Fred and I met on the Christmas Cookie Challenge. And, and the thing that I loved the most about Fred is when we arrived, he sent me a message. He didn't even know me. You sent me a message, Fred, and said, do you want to go out to dinner? And I th- <laughs> and I couldn't because I already had plans. But I thought, this is a nice guy. I can't wait to get to know him more. <laughs> you're, a, you're a very friendly, creative, talented pastry chef. So um, I really found your journey into becoming what you are today, an incredibly renowned pastry chef and a huge following on Instagram. I think your story is amazing because you did not start out in culinary arts, right? Not at um, all. So can you, can you tell people um, a little bit about what inspired your transition from a scientist to a pastry chef? Yeah, of course. So uh, definitely my, let's say, culinary pastry career is not your common. Um, I do have a PhD in cell biology. So I do consider myself a scientist at my core. It's like what's inside of me, what drives a lot of what I do, even right now as a pastry person. Um, I actually worked in the pharmaceutical industry doing drug development for a long time um, in different companies, large, small, learn a lot, you know, have managed teams of small size, up to 10 people or so. But I do find a lot of commonalities between running a lab and running a kitchen. You know, both require a lot of processes in place, of logistics, of, you know, handling reagents or ingredients, depending on which one, in certain ways to make something that's either going to show you do we have a new potential path for a medication or do we have a new delicious and beautiful dessert. Um, So in many ways, they do share a lot of things. I do believe that both are like laboratories that do, you know, different things, but are managed similarly. Um, You know, in the course of my discovering of how, Baking is my passion. I, you know, spend a lot of time trying to understand things regarding ingredients, how to change them, manipulate them, what parameters in them makes them do certain things. Because if you if you pay attention to recipes, uh, at least within the French pastries, which is what I focus myself on, they do share the same things or many of the same basic ingredients, so flour, you know, uh, some type of fat like uh, butter, oil, uh, sugar, and a liquid. Uh, but it's really how you manipulate them, what you do to them, if you're going to uh, use them in certain ways that will lead to all different sort of things. And I, you know, that really caught my attention as I was, 
you know, spending more of my time in my own kitchen at home, like playing with recipes um, that I found, you know, very, very fascinating. Um, you know, Fred, I, I completely agree with you. I love science. And one thing that was so fascinating is when I was preparing for the Christmas cookie challenge, I had to take my own recipes. And that's something that I had never done. I was not a recipe developer. I, I was a one shot wonder. You know, I had one good recipe and that's all I made. And although I grew up cooking, I could not have told you specifically what each ingredient did. Well, you need to know that when you are developing recipes. Absolutely. Yes. So I bought a book on the science of baking and it was, I absolutely loved it. That was my favorite thing about being on the Food Network was gaining that knowledge from that book. Because once you know that, you can make anything. Absolutely. So it is really understanding what their core function is with a specific pastry or baked good um, that would let you then also like even troubleshoot. The thing, a lot of challenges that there are that I know people get perhaps frustrated with baking is that they try to follow a recipe to the T, but then it doesn't work. It may not work because what someone does in their kitchen may not be the same. The quality of ingredients are not the same. The oven or their equipment, the way that your stand mixer makes us things like the speed mm -hmm. is probably not the same as mine. So you have to understand what you're looking for. And for that, you need to understand first the role of whatever ingredients you're using. So That's you right. know, as, part of, as part of my learning by myself initially, I, you know, I love baking like little cakes, cupcakes, etc. But what really caught my attention was French macaron. Uh, you know, those delicious cookies that people like and becoming more and more mainstream and trendy in the United States. Uh, but they are known for being particularly finicky. They sometimes may bake okay, other times not so much. And there are many things that really influence on how that happens. So back then, you know, we're talking a few years now, I spent a lot of time trying to understand how to get a squeeze for macaron because my batches were not working every time and as a scientist i'm like this is crazy what is going <laughs> right. on it was really frustrating so i wrote you know i took a, a notebook and i started to writing down everything and then i was you know looking at the time how long i was mi mixing up the meringue and then realized the next time that i did the same it wouldn't work so even though i'm a i'm a scientist and we do need when you're doing a work in a lab you do need to be consistent with those things in the kitchen may not be entirely applied. It is more mm -hmm. to when to stop, particularly for French macaron. It's on the technique itself. And you know, how long, how old the eggs are can influence how humid it is may influence, etc. So I really started to break down every step of the process into understanding what was contributing to making something good or not. Um, so you use the scientific method, right? All those kids yeah. in school, if you're listening and you're in science class and you're learning about the scientific method, pay attention. <laughs> yeah. So every every single thing. And then I will compare, you know, if I if we can talk about the macaron process, but there's this step called macaronage. You're folding the batter, you know, to get a specific consistency. 
So I was folding it into different consistencies and putting them in the same tray and the oven at the same time to compare, like if you go a little longer, if you're done, or you know, see what the outcome will be. Um, and that's really what caught my eye. I'm like, okay, this is baking is definitely a science. This is not real news to me. I've heard this concept before, but never really worked on that or done it myself. Um, so I, you know, I got really curious, I got hooked. I started exploring more things. Um, I opened my Instagram account and that basically skyrocketed. Um, not only I, under, uh, you know, I was exploring more on that baking science, but also on how baking, what you do with it at the end can also be an art. So it kind of, yes. you kind of merge art science with being able to troubleshoot things. So, so something I love doing in the pharmaceutical industry, you have to always be troubleshooting, changing gears, like adapting. So that applied here was really cool. Um, and, so Fred, and let me, let me ask you a question. Just going back a little bit, were you working as a scientist when you first started to, to learn to bake macarons? Yeah. Well, you were doing it at I, the same time for a little bit. So as I said, I've I've been in the pharmaceutical industry for quite some time, right? So I did start as anyone in the with a PhD or with even you know people without PhDs but are related to the actual science itself. Um, I did start working in a lab. Um, you know, you go through a fairly long period of training, PhD, postdoc, post and then join pharmaceutical industry, and you're still kind of in that area for some time, like learning how to do things the way they do it in the specific companies, learning how drug development works, just what I used to do. So I did spend a few years in the bench. So doing, you know, using a pipette and mixing things. Um, but then as I progressed within the industry, I was, I got more and more disconnected from that. I was doing more management, leading projects, uh, mm -hmm. spending all day in meeting rooms, which it was good. I learned so much in many different areas, but I didn't miss some of that technical hand component, which was getting kind of like that gap was being brought back by right. doing it in the kitchen. Like, okay, I'm back in my own kitchen lab. Um, right. Yeah. So, and I think it was really that understanding of ingredients, et cetera, that really caught my eye and pushed me eventually after some a long time and of course a lot of thinking how I'm gonna put this into my busy schedule, et cetera, to um, decide to enroll into pastry school because I really wanted to learn more. And I know there's a lot of self-tough people, which is amazing. Um, I'm sure I could have just continued self teaching myself. Um, but I wanted, you know, to, to get the basis from people that have been doing this for a while. Um, right. I think sometimes it's harder for you to gather all the basic knowledge from different sources. So I just yes, want especially, to, especially for what you do, because you're not just making, macarons you're making all those other amazing desserts and i think it would be more difficult to be self-taught to do all of the things that you've learned how to do in pastry school 
Yeah, I mean, it does get it does. It did give me um, a great, you know, uh, knowledge. Um, not also knowledge, also a good community. Um, the instructors at school here. I went to uh, Cambridge School of Culinary Arts in the Boston area where I live. <clears throat> They've been very supportive. Uh, it was also nice to see that there were other people, not in my exact path, you know, science with, you know, a career that is learning and going back to school in a way, but other people from other career backgrounds, even finance, um, people that have been in their jobs for decades to be in right. these programs. It was nice to see that there's like, oh, there's many of us that do love this culinary um, world that just want to learn more uh, to, you know, increase our skills, increase our skill sets or improve certain areas. Depending, obviously someone may have a different goal than mine. Uh, but eventually it was a really good decision I, I took because it really helped me take, you know, things to a much, you know, advanced step to the next step. Um, it, isn't it interesting, Fred, how some, we have a dream inside of us that we don't even know is there until we take yeah. that step and try and learn a new skill until something sparks our interest. And the more you get into it, that dream starts to become a reality. And this podcast is about dreamers turned doers. And you are definitely that person because you, you didn't necessarily have that dream of being you know, Doc Macaron, but you took one step to go to pastry school because you wanted to learn more about something that you were interested in. Mm -hmm. And then you ended up retiring from being a scientist and, and moved full fledged into Doc Macaron. So that, that is a great segue for me to ask you um, what types of things are in the works for Doc Macaron because you you are doing a lot of amazing things for the baking community. Thank you. Um, you know, it's, a, it's still a brand in development, um, but I do have a lot of different things going on. You know, my brand, generally, it focuses on helping others learn how to bake anything from something that can be simple to a much more advanced. And I it, I do it so by bridging science and baking and with adding what I call a sprinkle of art to it. Uh, so in that sense, given, you know, the main purpose of my brand being on education and training, I do provide a wide variety of classes, uh, whether them to be online in group classes via Zoom. They actually work very well. Um, I have already predetermined classes that I have, you know, been developing and teaching already uh, that cover many things around the pastry world. Obviously, macaron. I have different type of macaron classes, uh, but also things like chupov, tarts, chocolate, etc. Um, I do have individual classes with either online or in person as well. And something I've been working on that I you know, I, I love doing is consulting with, um, again, either individuals, bakeries or larger groups. I've been getting more traction in, in that recently, getting 
uh, reached out by um, you know local companies that have restaurants or like restaurants themselves that want to learn how to do specific things or want to change their menu items. Something that's happening right now in the um, restaurant world, and there are actually articles out there that you can find, is that many restaurants are not hiring pastry chefs because hmm. of payroll and because many times, you know, once you have a big meal, some people are like, oh, I'm going to skip this search. So it becomes very expensive to have a pastry chef, like resident pastry chef in-house. So what they're doing, they either, either hire their, someone to do consulting job with them like which is what I do, helping them visualize something related to what their obviously uh, restaurant is about, what their food is, etc., um, mm-hmm. and then train people to do so, provide the recipes, develop them, etc. So that's an area I've been exploring more, and actually I think there's a lot of potential, and it's part within that umbrella of education training, which is what I do. And there's this right. side on uh, you know content creation i do a lot of work for obviously instagram purposes but also engaging with companies i've worked with already with a few large companies in the industry um, world uh to promote their products and it's actually cool when you reach out and when you get reached out and they ask you like oh would you work on this campaign for me i'm like oh my god i've been working i've been using these products for so long it's amazing that you're reaching out to me did Um, you think did you ever think Fred, the first day that you walked into that pastry school, that this is what your life would be like now. Isn't it amazing that you're able to make a living with something that is so wonderful and so much fun? Yeah, absolutely. It's like, what's not to like? It makes something that makes people happy and that tastes great. Most times. Yes. You know, (laughs) another thing I really, really appreciate about you, Fred, you can go on your Instagram and you can find so many recipes and you become, I mean, I become inspired. I just looked at a recipe that you had out there today and it was for a um, filled, I don't know what it's called, but a eclair maybe. And it was what a one minute video. And I thought I could do that. I could totally do that. Well, I probably can't, but it made me want to try. <laughs> for it. So that's the thing. There's no intellectual property into recipes. It's very hard to get anything into that. So people are holding to them. I get their point. They may have worked on something that they're trying to monetize. Totally get it. Uh, at the same time, it's a very stiff competition out there in, for someone to sell recipes compared to what a whole world of blogging and free recipes are. Right. Um, as I mentioned before, you can follow a recipe to the T. Amen or work because it goes beyond that. So in my videos, you know, they're short videos. I, it's Instagram, right? You cannot add, add for something. Right, right. Long. Some people have asked me if I wanted to open, if I have a YouTube channel, and perhaps I should. It's just my, there's so much time I have currently for that. Uh, right. But it's not only the grams or whatever you're doing, it's how you use those grams. And even though right. I do try to show that on my Instagram as much as possible, sometimes it may be difficult. So that's when it comes, people get, as you said, oh, maybe I'll try this. And if it works, great. If it doesn't, but they really thought it was a fun process, then they reach out to me and they said, hey, can you help me troubleshoot? 
And it may not right. be that I'm getting money out of that, but I'm getting more and more interactions and people talk about me and how I help them. And that progressively continues and my name gets out there. I've had yes. people looking on my post saying, I cannot afford going to, you know, pastry school or pay for recipes. And I get it. They said, I'm so grateful that you share these things because they helped me learning. And my dream is to open a bakery. So, you know, as you know, I consider myself a pastry educator now. That's what it's all about. Right. Um, Yes. It gives you a great feeling to know that you're helping someone else, doesn't it? Absolutely. And you know, that's uh, at the end of the day, that's what I like the most. I like sharing my knowledge and helping. Um, Something else that I think is so neat, Fred, is how you grew up. So you were born in Venezuela. And then you moved to France. And so um, that's why you have that amazing accent. (laughs) And and I know you do the French method of macarons. I do. Is that that what prompted you to do that? Because of the way that you grew up growing up in France? Did you have like macarons for breakfast and macarons for snacks? (laughs) Well, you know... um Macarons are also, they're also expensive in France, right? And I grew mm-hmm. up in a modest household, so I didn't always have them. It's more of a <laughs> um, celebration thing, so I always love them. But, you know, talking about macarons themselves, you mentioned French, French macaron. All, you know, there's people call them out there, and you, you will hear French, Italian, Swiss macaron. They're all the same, they're just macaron. And this is something, you know, I've been talking about is the difference is only the meringue that you use for them, right? So I use French meringue. Someone that calls an Italian macaron uses Italian meringue. But at the end of the day, it's a macaron, which is French. Sorry. I, it's my, it's my French, French side <laughs> showing up. Actually, macaron, Italian, what I call Italian meringue macarons were pioneered by a French person, not Italian person, called... Pierre is that Henry, right? Which I have his amazing book from which he has multiple. I have I have another one too, or maybe two. Mm-hmm. Um, he actually pioneered the Italian meringue macaron, uh, which is what I started with my macaron journey. Um, I did Italian meringue macarons for a very long time. I still do every now and then. I love them. They have mm-hmm. differences in terms of the ch- sometimes in terms of the texture, but they are very, very similar. Um, the reason I, s- I have switched more recently to French, it's just, you know, I'm, I'm doing it at home in a small scale. Italian meringue macarons require a little bit more um, bowls to use and things like that. So I just to mm-hmm. make the process a little bit faster. And because also I wanted to teach uh, the Italian method ones use a uh, cooked sugar to a certain temperature and you have to kind of time it, etc. when you add it to egg whites. And I, th- the more I understood from people, they wanted to learn more French. I did a lot of polls in my Instagram back then, like which, mm-hmm. like, which of the methods for making macarons will you make? And French came number one because it's a simplest in paper. Technically, it's challenging, but it's just adding sugar to egg whites that are whipping to make a meringue. That's a French meringue. So 
in theory was easy. So for me, as I thought, if I'm going to start teaching this, I should teach it with the uh, process to which people are going to feel less intimidated with. In well, you're front. an excellent instructor because I can say that firsthand because I've taken one of your classes and I, I'm one of those cookie makers that thought, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I've made lots of things. I've made cakes, cookies, lollipop. I mean, lots of different, you know, culinary things. I can make macarons and oh no, no, that wasn't the case at all. <laughs> but I was successful after taking your class. I mean, I made macarons. They were, and you're very, you're very patient and you're very, you know, it's kind of a chill environment when you take a class from you. And I loved it. It was fun. So So I know you, you teach online classes. You also are involved in the Bake Fest. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So the Bake Fest is a virtual, so online, uh, baking wide event that covers many things it's i think twice a year now maybe three times uh but it's trying to build community uh, by bringing people to the same event i think it started during the pandemic which you know it was a huge thing as people were doing more and more baking at home um so it it has either a hands-on demos but also um virtual like talks and uh how do you call that brainstorming sessions or sessions where you get to go and meet someone like that kind of uh discussion which is great um in terms of the hands hands-on covers on many many different things last year i did one on macaron which was called advanced methods for macaron and mm-hmm. i i'll get to that in a minute and this year i did chew pastry um for the, I guess it will be now the spring one. And it's going to be a fall one where I'm going to be doing something else. So I'm trying to mm-hmm. change them a little bit to keep people engaged, to see new things, teach them uh, different areas. For the macaron one was actually pretty cool because I took, uh, you know, the traditional macaron making method, but making things a little bit more different. I made shapes. I made uh, actual like standing 3D house macaron. I made different colors. So teaching people how to do that, which itself is an added complexity into the macaron. You know, Fred, when you were, when we met on the Christmas cookie challenge, I had, I had never seen anyone make a macaron into what you were able to make a macaron into. And it was so interesting because I was thinking in my head, what's he going to do? You know, what can you do with the macaron? Cause I only had seen it as a sandwich cookie and what you were able to create. It was amazing. <laughs> I mean, dinosaurs out of macarons <laughs> was amazing. And then the things that you've seen that, that you've done, you've done the um, Ferris wheel out of a macaron. Incredible. I know you've made a greenhouse out of a macaron. I mean, it's amazing what, what you can make with out of a macaron. Yeah. It's, it's part of that like creativity that always keeps me, you know, engaged. I love creativity, like thinking of new things. What can I make now? 
I've done that a lot with Macaron. Now I'm expanding to many other things. So it's always like, what is new? If you go yes. to my Instagram, I mean, I sometimes repost the same thing because I like it too much. I'm like, I want to show it again. But most right. times I do something completely new or different. I try to stay or teach something new, um, or like a new decoration or a new way to do this, or which is, it's fun. Your your Instagram is so visually appealing. I mean, it's so beautiful. The colors and the way you use edible gold. And it's just, it really is a feast for the eyes. I, I, I only wish we lived closer because I know <laughs> that you must get really tired of eating all those desserts by yourself or giving them to your husband. Lauren needs a few. <laughs> you need some. I mean, my neighbors have a good rotation of them, but you should be one of them. <laughs> So talking about the Christmas cookie challenge, how was, well, do you have any memorable moments from that? And then how do you think that has impacted your career? Yeah. um, You know, memorable moments, of course, talking to you literally was one of the highlights. Oh, I don't know which one was maybe the day of the competition. We were having breakfast or the day after. I don't remember. But just having that talk with you, just there, like, you're so calming. I was so stressed or something. And, like, you just exude that calm that I needed. And just getting to know you, it was really fantastic. So I think that's uh, one of the highlights, as well as meeting the other uh, competitors from our episode. Fantastic. Um, that was my favorite part of the entire thing. Um you know, the competition itself is kind of a blur in my head right now. I don't right. know if it's the same with you. Um, I'm happy with what I did. Um, you know, obviously didn't win, but that's fine. But I think itself, the challenge wasn't, as you know, against you, maybe. It was more about challenging me to complete what I needed to do within the time frame. Right. So coming there, I don't think, I mean, I've seen a lot of Food Network TV shows, baking shows. I don't think I had seen anyone making um, macaron in shapes like that before. So for right. me, that was my own challenge was I need to go here and do my specialty in a way that maybe hasn't ha- hadn't been seen before. And I may be wrong. Maybe someone did, but not that I can recall. Right. Making those dinosaurs that you said was itself a challenge, given as I we just talked about macarons being so finicky, particularly in a kitchen environment that we are not familiar with. I right. was really nervous about that. So having completed the challenge with my dinosaur-shaped macaron was itself a success for me. Yes. Um, but it was so crazy. <laughs> never been so tired in all my life in fact I don't know if I told you this but I cried not because I didn't win I cried the entire way home in the car and I think and it was it's just the release of emotion you know because it's it's a high pressure high stress lots of fun super fast paced I was hurt you know I fell and cracked my kneecap and and I think just when I finally was able to just calm down because I drove there, I did. I cried almost the entire way home, <laughs> just releasing the emotion. 
Yeah, it but was definitely an adrenaline, you know, rush out there. It um, was. It was a good experience, you know, to learn that, to be there, to see this kitchen, obviously, you know, doing the challenge itself and getting to know you, you and the other competitors. Um, overall, it was great. I mean, back then when they reached out, I wasn't expecting it at all. I'm like, mm, I'm not a cookie artist, you know. And they said, well, your craft is sort of a bit different. It's within the cookie world. We want to show that. So I'm glad in that sense I was asked so I could show it. Right, right. So as a macaron artist, you know, the most difficult thing, I think, is creating perfect shells and having those perfect little feet on the bottom. And you were able to achieve that on the Food Network, which was I, I was amazed by that because you don't have much time. And I know that that is a, a difficult thing to do because of the differences in the humidity and the oven temperatures, but you did it. So what's your best tip to achieving those perfect shells that everybody tries to achieve? Uh, practice. I have a few actually, may I? Accuracy. Be accurate, weigh your ingredients, really make sure that you're doing things in a proper way. So, yeah, practice and patience. All about patience with macaron. So that's the thing. I think a lot of people that may start their macaron journey, it may not go as they expected and may not have the patience and then they just get frustrated and just give up. I get it. I understand. I get it. But even if they fail... You could still eat them most times. I mean, I'm sure 99% of them, they'll still taste great. Um, Or you can repurpose them. There's a lot of things out there that people do to repurpose macaron, fail macaron. Um, But if you really want to um, get into master them, just try to understand each step as I did, you know, like check a lot of blogs, Instagram pages. That helped me out a lot in the beginning as well. Mm-hmm. Like you know, look at uh, the macaronage video or the meringue video and then try to do that myself. Um, I do it in the beginning. I'm like, okay, I'm at this stage. How will it look? You know, you know, I did when I was learning how to make macarons because, and I'm, I'm not an expert by any means, but I would, I would have one good batch and then one batch and one good batch. And I thought maybe I should write down what I'm doing. And so I started to write down and then I would refer when something went well, I thought, okay, maybe I need to do it again like that. And so, but I was, I don't sell them. I was just making them for my friends and my kids, mainly my oldest son, he's 21. He, he loves a macaron. He thinks it's the greatest cookie ever. So as long as I could put something on a plate, he didn't care if it had feet or what it looked like, or if the bottom was a little too burnt, he just thought it was delicious. So that's the thing. I went to, you know, since I've been baking macaron I, and I go back to France to my parents, I stop by a bakery and take a peek, like, how do they look? Many times I don't look as pretty as people have set as standards for a perfect macaron. I mean... Doesn't matter. <laughs> doesn't matter. A lot of people are going to eat them and like them. Right. Nice. If, they're, if they have the important parameters, which is crunchy shell, a little chew in the inside with nice flavor, then you're fine. What is your favorite? Do you have a favorite filling? 
Uh, I do love salted caramel. I will say that's my favorite. Mm. I love everything salted caramel. I just like when sweets have a savory like side to them as well. And salted caramel is quite obvious, but macarons themselves as cookies are pure sugar, literally. So they're sweet and adding a feeling that has a balance of, you know, savory, like the salt can kind of remove some of that sweetness. If not something like citrusy, I love everything citrus, like a lemon creme or something like that. Mm. Um, or add like a lemon curd again to kind of balance the sweetness with acidity. Um, always try to bring down some, bring that somewhere. So, do you have any tips or advice that you would give to someone who is maybe thinking, "I, I would like to learn more about um, pastry and maybe even, you know, retire from my career and and." try to do something that I'm passionate about. Yeah. Um, I think that first, I, th- I think it, uh, some of the ones that you supplied will be here as well, particularly patients. Um, number one thing, because as you're learning, things will fail. So be patient with that. Be gentle with yourself. Um don't be afraid of failure in the beginning or that things won't be as fast as you may expect them to be. Mm -hmm. Um, Just try to build a community of people that may be in the same situation. That's why I think pastry school was a good, besides learning was a good place for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, and also try to uh, reach out outside of that to people that may be ex- experts in something, you see how many of them, particularly in the social media world, are very open at helping in ways. Many mm-hmm. macaron makers, you know, back in when I started, were pillars for me in, in a way that they helped me in many, you know, with their not only their videos, but also when I reached out, I'm like, huge fan of your work. I've been having these issues. Will you have any idea? And, you know, many times I will get some useful information. Mm -hmm. Well, I was going to say, I think one of the things that you said is so important is get a community around you because that makes such a difference to be able to um, bounce ideas off each other, encourage each other. I think it's key. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. So Fred, tell us where we can find you. All the different places. You're on Instagram is yeah. Doc Macaron. Are you on? Are you are you delving into the TikTok world, Fred? <laughs> I do have a TikTok account. I don't. I'm not as active as on Instagram, but both are the same handle. Doc Doc underscore Macaron. I also have okay. a website uh, where I also post recipes. I have listed all my services. You can reach out. Um, it's docmacaron.com. Um, those are my pri- primary, you know, areas you can reach out or my email okay. docmacaron.com. Um, okay. Yeah. And we'll post those all in the show notes. And then last but not least, are you ready for our speed round? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Okay, the, the, 
the first one, and you already touched on this, but I'm going to ask again, is what is your favorite cookbook? Yes. The Bible. <laughs> Pierre Hermé, Macaron. This one, I have okay. another one that I could show. But I also have, of course, it's Macaron. It has many flavors. It's great. Uh, gives you a lot of ideas in how to combine flavor things. But uh, a pastry little Bible uh, it's the French patisserie book from Ferrand de Paris, which is a school. Ooh. Anyone that wants to learn how to make pastries with, uh, you know, classical French pastries, definitely recommend getting this one. I mean, look how thick it is. <laughs> I was going to say, that it's is a workout, big book. <laughs> but it does cover absolutely everything that you see in pastry school, from oh. laminated doughs, puff pastries, croissant, of course, breads. Uh, cakes, like anything. And it has the recipes as well to do. So this is a good good uh, resource. Okay. Now, do you have a favorite dessert? Uh, yes, macaron. I, I mean, I do like a lot of different things. Um, it's hard for me to choose if, out, even outside of macaron. I'm dessert inclusive. <laughs> okay, I like that. I like that. <laughs> what about um, if you could make macarons for anyone living or who has passed on? Who would you who would you make them for? Uh, I will make for my grandmother. I think she would like them. She's no longer with us. She hasn't been with us for a really long time. Um, mm -hmm. As when I was very young, but I have very fond memories with her. Actually, mm -hmm. some of my early baking. Memories come from seeing her making things like breads. She used to do breads. It was very rustic, but you could tell the love she put into making these things. So I would oh. love to be making a macaron for her. Um, I've been making things for my parents when I go there and see them. And my last time was my, it was, what was it? Uh, my aunt's birthday so i made her cakes i made tarts i made a bunch of different things i actually taught my dad how to make baguette yeah oh yeah. it was cool it's cool to do that. you know it it's neat how being in the kitchen can really bring people together isn't it yeah my absolutely. Caleb, our oldest son, he's 21. He was so picky when he was young <clears throat> and he wouldn't eat anything. I mean, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches pretty much is what he lived on. Well, now he loves to cook, which is something that I never thought would happen. But we have more fun in the kitchen together. And then the same thing with my younger son. He loves to cook. He took cooking classes in school. And it is such a great bonding experience when we're all in the kitchen together. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Last yeah. but not least, if you could go on vacation anywhere, where would you go? Tomorrow. <laughs> I will go somewhere in the Pacific. I haven't been out in that area of the world. or Well, only Hawaii, but like the southern or Tahitian islands, like Tahiti, like Fiji, all of those. Um, mm -hmm. What do you call it? Like a full name, right? Where also Hawaii. I can't tell you, Fred. Geography is not my thing. <laughs> I want to go to those, um, but I also would love. I know you only said one place, but it's hard to choose, Lauren. It's you okay. Know? You can say more than one. I would like to go to Japan, Thailand. I have never been to that area of the world. I'm really curious. I just want to be 
there and see the cultures and the foods. I want to learn more about that kind of desserts. Like they do have a lot of produce that we may not have here and want to taste them and see how to use them and learn from that. Right. Right. Um, I know sometimes like that could, it's hard sometimes to separate that as being like part of work versus life things, but I think it's also life learning. Right. I'm learning how to eat something that maybe I've never had before. Like how do you pair that with something? Polynesian islands. <laughs> yeah, I'm not very good. I mean, it's wonderful because I homeschooled my kids for a little bit and I did learn a little bit of geography when I was teaching them, but that was a long time ago because I didn't care when I was young. You know, you all these things are going into your brain and the things that you don't really care about go in one side and kind of go out the other. And for me, that was geography. So, um, but thank you for coming on today. I just think you're the nicest, most talented guy. And I I felt the same way about this, the Christmas cookie challenge. Meeting you was an absolute highlight. And it's so funny how you can feel connected to somebody almost instantly. And and I found that connection with you. Thanks so much, Lauren, for having me. And I hope to see you soon. Bye. Bye.